Last Lord's Day, we looked at session one, why does suffering exist? And today we are looking at session two, how can God use me when others suffer? How can God use me when others suffer? Page 94. Page 94. Look at that picture there on page 94. And let's consider that first question. What are some movies or TV shows that speak to your desire for justice? Judge Judy. <laughs> Judge Judy, huh? Okay. <laughs> Sounds like everybody watches Judy. She go overboard sometimes. Okay, that's all. <laughs> Any other shows? Uh, movies? Besides Judge Judy? Okay. Um, let's look at Bible Meets Life. Bible Meets Life, page 95. Someone go ahead and read it, please. Some of the most popular stories in books or movies revolve around great injustices or crimes. Everybody loves a story where all the wrongs are made right, and those who are powerless come out on top in the end. Sadly, real life is not always that way. A friend was serving at a church event for foster kids and recognized a particular teenager. She knew he had been adopted from Russia as a child, so what was he doing at a party for foster kids? To her dismay, she discovered his adoptive parents had surrendered him to foster care because they considered him too much to handle. Our friend seeks to minister to this young man, but it is a challenge because of the young man's traumatic childhood. You can imagine the lasting scars of someone whose birth parents abandoned him, and then his adoptive parents as well, but she still wants to help. God cares how we treat those who face injustice. Our faith is clearly on display when it comes to how we respond to injustice we see right in front of us. Okay, so notice that line. God cares. God really, really, really cares how we treat those who face injustice because God is a God of justice and he is on the side of those who are mistreated. What is the point? God calls us to stand up for those who suffer from injustice. Okay, and that's all of us. God calls all of us to stand up uh, for those who suffer any kind of injustice or any in any way, shape, or form. Let's pray. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to what's important to you regarding worship and how we treat people when we see them being mistreated around us. Guide our thoughts and help us to be attentive and focused in this regard. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, justice is the ideal in almost every culture. Unfortunately, the reality of injustice is just as universal. No matter where you go, you're going to find injustice. We all want justice, right? Yes. When we have been wrong, we want justice. But are we as ready to step up when it's someone else needing justice? Some people look the other way and pretend they didn't see it. People such as unborn children, 
The aged and the disabled suffer because of injustices in the way they are viewed and in the way they are treated. Through the prophet Isaiah, God calls us to stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. So we have a responsibility to not look the other way, but to step in and help. Before we look at the passages, let me give you the setting uh, for our study today. And as usual, we have three passages. Isaiah prophesied primarily to the southern kingdom of Judah for approximately four decades, from 740 to 700 B.C. So his ministry overlapped the fall of the northern tribes to Assyria in 722 B.C. Much of his preaching warned Judah to avoid the sins of the northern kingdom. He called them to go back to God and to lives that honored him. For example, in Isaiah 58, he challenged the people to stop playing religious games and to protect those who were being mistreated. Has anything changed? People are still playing political games today, right? Religious games today. So nothing much has changed. And so the challenge for us is just as legitimate as it was for those that Isaiah talked to. So let's be attentive and see what God has to say to us in our study today. The first passage we have to look at, page 96, Isaiah 58, 35. Who want to take that first one? Why have we fasted, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you have not seen. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with Contention. Contention. And strive to strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard online. Will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Keywords, your fast. The people did practice the religious ritual of fasting without the attitude and lifestyle of just what God expected. Sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth was a rough material made from animal hair. When covered in ashes, it marked deep humility or intense mourning. Mr. Daniel Jones, who called this talk about injustice, injustice is the unfair treatment of others, especially those in a weaker position. And we have all the experience to it in one form or another. We've been on the receiving end of justice and sadly also have inflicted injustice on others. Injustice rears up its ugly head in racism, sexism, abuse, and all its forms, religious persecution and bullying, just to name a few. Anytime the right of the right to life denies an individual, whether in aborting an unborn child, an act of assisted suicide, commit a committed against one who is critically ill or of 
Cicero. Cicero. Cicero, in his classic book, his work on duties, describe two types of injustice. <coughs> Anybody else want to say three? Yeah, someone want to continue that? With respect to injustice, there are two types. Men may inflict injury, or else when it is being inflicted upon others, they may fail to deflect it even though they could. Anyone who makes an injustice attack upon a fellow human being, whether driven by anger or by some other agitation, seems to be laying hands, so to speak, upon another human being. But also, the man who does not defend someone or obstruct the injustice when he can, he is at fault, just as if he had abandoned his parents, or his friends, or his country. Even though we are sinful, broken people, we still have a sense of what is right and honorable. Unfortunately, we often give lip service to God's standard, but we fail to live up to it. We may be pretty good at appearing one way on the outside, while failing, while falling, very short on the inside. This is hypocrisy, and it's nothing new. In Isaiah 58, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah about the Israelites' fast. They gave the pretense of seeking God by fasting. Isaiah 52, 58, verse 2. But God was not giving them the positive response they wanted. We have fasted, but you have not seen. We have denied ourselves, but you, have, but you haven't noticed. God was not responding to their thoughts, their open act of self-denial, because how they treated others was inconsistent with lives truly committed to seeking God. God was not as interested in their thoughts as he was in how they acted toward other people. Look. You do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fists. We cannot have a right relationship with God and mistreat others. This is the heart of the Old Testament law. And Jesus showed us the two greatest commands centered on love. Love for God and love for others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the this is the this is the the end. This is the end 
Most. I think Anne isn't supposed to be in there. Yeah, yeah, that's a mistake. Yeah, yeah. This is the most important command. Yeah. Go ahead, can you? Use that? No, yeah, go ahead, use that. This is the most important command. This is the most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39. <coughs> The Apostle John wrote that we cannot love God without also loving others. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. But the person who does not love his brother or, his, or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. 1 John 4, 20-21 Fasting is a great spiritual discipline if it's done for the right reason. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Fasting, is, fasting as a spiritual discipline is about seeking the face of God. It is not about piety, piety, or about doing something demanding so that God will respond more favorably to our requests. It is about being reminded in our hunger that He is the bread of life. Fasting is also fasting is all about seeking God, but spiritual dis 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 disciplines and acts of devotions are meaningless if our actions toward others do not reflect the same devotion. What's the point of fasting to get closer to God if we are unwilling to obey and do? what He calls us to do. One thing God calls us to do is to act justly toward others. We may not, we may not have workers under us we can oppress, but God is concerned about how we treat people in our home, church, and community. All our words and actions should reflect Christ in how we respond to those experiencing injustice. Okay, thank you, Sister Nancy and Chadwell. Now, Isaiah, um, you had a really, really steep mountain to climb uh, with these people in the southern kingdom of Judah. When God first called them, God promised that he had, God promised him nothing but frustration. All right, so he knew what he was up against. The primary issue they raised related to how God had not answered their prayers. You know, they've been doing all this stuff. They've been praying and fasting and God wasn't answering. God wasn't paying attention. God was probably sucking his teeth, you know, when they, when they were doing all this stuff. And so they fasted and, and, uh, and denied themselves on a regular basis, but they're not seeing God respond to their good, what they, were, what they considered their good deeds. Uh, they had continued fulfilling their religious duties in the temple, but he didn't seem to notice. God didn't seem to notice just how much they were sacrificing for him. And then God answered, God responded. God made it clear. However their spiritual practices were a mile wide and an inch deep. That's God's response. Is your religious practices are a mile wide and an inch deep. Instead of truly humbling themselves before God, he said, you do whatever you feel like doing. In other words, you do as you please. On those days set aside for fasting. They were following their own rules, not God's. 
How many times people do that today? Okay, God says, I want you to do this. And you said, you know, Lord, you know, I got a better way to do it. But God always knows best, right? Yes. Well, we think we know better. And that's what was happening with the, with the, with the, with the, um, with the people of God here that um, God serving the prophet had to deal with. They were following their own rules, not his. Unlike the hypocrites, Jesus condemned on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. These Israelites were just putting on a show to be seen by others. Has anything changed? <laughs> they, wanted, they, they were the only ones finding pleasure in their self-proclaimed righteousness. God wasn't getting nothing out of it. Okay? Notice. It didn't appear that God noticed how much they were sacrificing for him. God made it clear, however, that their spiritual practices were a mile wide and an inch deep. Didn't make any impact with God whatsoever. But notice God's response to those who fasted but thought he didn't notice in verses 3 and 4. Notice, they abused and oppressed their workers while they were going through their religious rituals. What is that? Total hypocrisy, right? Okay, they were going to church and doing all the stuff that they were supposed to do and then going to work on Monday and mistreating the people who work for them. That's basically what it amounted to. Okay? Their hearts were full of violence. What does the Bible say about the heart? It is deceitful and above all things, what? Desperately wicked. Okay, so they were, their hearts were full of violence. And then their attempts at worship were marked by contention and strife. In other words, they were fighting in church. We hear about stuff like that, right? <laughs> One fella said to, 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 to the other elder in the elders meeting, boy, you lucky this is saved. <laughs> you know, strife and contention in church. One fella told me he went to a leaders meeting and uh, during the course of the meeting, one of the fellas leaned over and his coat opened up and he had a, a holster under his arm with a, with, a, with a pistol in it. And he said at that, at, that, at that point in the meeting, he said nothing else. He was silent for the rest of the meeting. Strife and contention. Okay. And then he says their prayers would never be heard on high. In other words, their prayers went up to the ceiling and bounced back down. God never heard them. God wasn't paying attention. God wasn't interested in anything they had to say. Notice, uh, question number two on page 98. <clears throat> what are the benefits and dangers of religious activity in our lives? Benefits and dangers of religious activity in our lives. Well, what I mentioned to you earlier, Joseph, that's the danger of visiting these type of churches. Okay. What churches teach? Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. What else? Benefits? What are some of the benefits of religious activity in our lives? Let's look at the benefits first. It can truly help keep us focused on the Lord and His Word. Okay. Keep us focused on God in the right place. Okay. Any other benefits? Keep us safe. Keep us safe. Okay. Safe from all. Hmm? I know that he's the bread of life. Okay, he's the bread of life. Man, uh, uh, what the Bible says about uh, the word of God? You could help others. Help others, okay. Okay, what are the dangers? Those are the benefits. What are the dangers of religious activity in our lives? 
Uh, I saw something on Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. It said, uh, since no weapons no to form, form against me, no mm. weapons form against me, should I prosper? Send the Christians to Iran. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Send them to Iran, eh? Yeah, well, I, it, just, it just shows the danger that it could be if you're false. Mm. You know, if you're false, then, even if it may be true, but yeah. if you're false, it could be a danger for you. Okay, what are some other dangers we see? Activity in our life, religious, dangerous religious activity, false teaching, right? Yes. You know, false teaching can be so damning and dangerous. And people take false teaching so serious they go out and they act it. And we see what's happening in the Middle East, right? You can go through the motions because you're so used to it, you, you know, that you go through the practice of it, but your heart's not in it. Yeah. Consciences are seared. You have no conscience. Your conscience is not bothered anymore. Okay, next we will discover the type of fast that captures the heart of God. We saw the kind of fast that these people were doing. In our next passage, Isaiah 58, 6-7, we'll see what type of fast really gets God's attention and captures God's heart. We want to take that one. That one's a little bit shorter. Isaiah 58, 6-7. Isn't this the fast I chose to break the chains of the goodness? to untie the ropes of the yoke, to see the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your home, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Instead of meaningless rituals, the fast God chose for us includes specific actions that draw us close to his heart and the way we should show love for others. As noted earlier, love for God and love for others go hand in hand. We serve God in and through our relationship with others. God has no interest in us that do not include obedience to Him and love for others. This includes the way we treat others and working on behalf of those facing injustice. We are to take an, act, um, in, an active role in breaking the chains of wickedness and untying the ropes that bind the oppressed. We must make ourselves aware of the needs of others and find a way to meet those needs when possible. God went beyond just warning us not to mistreat people by committing injustice. He calls us to do something to correct the ways others have mistreated them and committed injustice to them. In other words, don't just avoid the negative. Do something positive. One, seek out what is right and just. To truly be walking with God, we must seek out what is right and just for others. It is not possible to love God and not love those whom we love. Two, fight for those we know who are being mistreated and abused. This could be someone in our workplace, community, or in our church. As Martin Luther King said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies but the silence of our friends. Those who are being oppressed will remember when Christians fail to help them in the midst of the oppression. Three, stand up for those outside our affairs of control. Take up the fight of justice for those we don't know. Some injustice is outside our ability to make right, but this should not stop us from being 
their advocates and prayer warriors. Sometimes things really are black or white, right or wrong, godly or godless. Consider even a few of the questions that surround a key sensitive of life issues, abortion. For example, when is a baby really a baby? Or how many weeks into a pregnancy is, is it still acceptable to still have an abortion? So often we muddy the water when the answer is right there in God's word. Abortion is not God's plan. God created us, loves us, and has a plan for us, every one of us. Psalms 139, 13-16. God loves every baby that is born, regardless of the circumstances of his or her conception or birth. In college, I met a woman who was a product of a rape. Her mother chose life over abortion. And now, she, here she was, my pastor's wife, serving alongside him and living out her favors. Okay. Thank you, Vanjie. Notice, there are uh, some ways uh, we find uh, in verse 6 that we can turn our attention to others uh, that have been mentioned here. One is, help others break the chains of wickedness or injustice. If we see that, we are aware of it, we can help. And then, untie the ropes of the yoke. In other words, help to free those slaving under unjust treatment. You may have a person who's working for somebody who don't treat them well. Okay, and there may be something you can do about that. And then the oppressed. Bring, uh, the oppressed brings to mind instances of social injustice. The innocent and helpless were being abused by the system. And then the system, uh, we know uh, the system can really wreak havoc in the lives of people today. And we hear horror stories just about every day of what the system has done to certain people. Okay, so there's, there are some things that uh, we notice there. If we look on the uh, board, we have a chart here that says injustice. One of, this, one of the things listed here is sex trafficking. You know, you can't see that from where you're sitting, but it says more than a million girls and boys are forced into sexual slavery and prostitution all over the world. And you know what's happening here too? Yes. It's happening in the Bahamas too? Yes. Okay, we just don't hear about it. Nine chances out of ten, you would probably hear the police talk about raiding a, 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 a club and they find these women who came here and the people who brought them here took their passports and they have them doing all sorts of things and they wouldn't give them their passports back. So we see that sex trafficking here in the Bahamas. In the United States, 400,000 minors, that's 400,000 minors are currently involved in trafficking. That's a lot of people. You know there's more than the population in the Bahamas? Yes. The Bahamas population is 400,000. And then there's abortion. Since 1973, Nearly 53 million legal abortions occurred in the United States. That's 53 million murders of innocent children who couldn't do anything to defend themselves. Abortion. And it's happening in the Bahamas too. Okay? There are doctors who are doing it. Elder abuse. The elderly may be abused physically emotionally or sexually as well as being exploited 
neglected and even abandoned. We heard a story in the news recently about a Miss America who was exploiting a mother. She was taking all her mother's uh, benefits and stuff and living large, living high on the hog, they say. You know, and she got caught. And then she had some excuses as to what she, why she was doing it. Okay, elder abuse is experienced by one out of every 10 people ages 60 and older who live at home. And those are some of the stories we don't hear. But you know what's happening in, in, uh, in, in uh, old age homes where people put their parents? It's happening in those homes too. Not just in the, in the, in the regular home. And then there's child abuse. Nearly 700,000 children are abused or neglected in the United States every year. 700,000, that's about twice the population of the Bahamas, almost. Okay? And so we see injustice going on all the time in various forms uh, all over the world. But notice the important, the, we need to, we need to uh, remember or highlight the importance of seeing the needs of others and working to meet those needs when we can, when we are aware of them, or when we hear about them. Share your bread with the hungry. Okay, if you know someone who has a need, well, share what you have. You say, but you know, I only got one loaf of bread, but you got a whole loaf. They don't have none. Okay. Provide shelter for those without a place to stay. You may have an extra room. Instead of looking down on the poor and homeless, take them into your homes. And then clothe the naked. Those who are walking the streets or wherever without having any clothes on, some of them choose to do that. Of course, you can't do anything about them because that's their choice. But there are those who can't help themselves because they don't have it. All right, so we have to help those. And then care for your own flesh and blood. It's amazing how many people will sometimes go out on a limb and care for others and neglect their very own. All right, and so that's one of the challenges that uh, the prophet uh, was dealing with in that time, and we're dealing with the same things here in our, in our country as well. Consider some positive things we can do. Seek out what is right and just. We all know what is right and just. Our consciences tell us what is right and what is wrong, right? And sometimes we may have intended to do something and didn't do it and say, you know, one mind told me I should do it. You know what that one mind is? Good conscience, okay? <laughs> Seek out what is right and just. Fight for those who know, for those we know, who are being mistreated and abused. Uh, you may get a response, well, that ain't none of your business. Oh, yes, it is. That person is made in the image and likeness of God, and we are to stand up for those who cannot help themselves. So it is your business, even though people may say it is not. So stand up for those outside of the sphere of your control as well. Question number three. Where do you see the bondage of oppression in today's world? I would say, where do you see it most? Where do we yeah. see it most? Hmm? Well, right here in the Bahamas, we see it in the advantage of the poor being taken advantage by these web shops. Oh, yeah. Okay. Much so. Um, the government has failed in not closing every web shop in this country. Mm -hmm. That was mandated by the, the people. majority mm -hmm. of the citizens mm -hmm. of this land. Mm -hmm. And the greatest insult that was ever inflicted upon the Bahamas in its history 
was when they failed to close these bloody web shops. Mm -hmm. The greatest insult to our country's democracy. And the justice. That's right. Mm -hmm. 35 to 3, God spoke to this country three times. He spoke in the first referendum, 35 to 3, mm. the second referendum, 35 to 3, they said, oh, it was just an opinion poll. And he spoke on the big stage. And, and the general election, the result was 35 to 3, and that extra seat was thrown back in the politician's face. These are the things that should be in the heart and mind of our peoples throughout the length and breadth of this country. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So it's happening. Okay, uh, let's move on quickly. Uh, next, we will see how God will respond to his people when they respond to those experiencing injustice in ways that are pleasing to him. And that's the last passage we have on Isaiah 58, 11, 8 to 11. Who want to take that? That's another short one. Who want to take that one? Then your light will appear like the dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. At that time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, Here I am. And if you get rid of the yoke among, among you, malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted ones, and your light will shine in the darkness, and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land, and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden and spring will, whose water never runs dry. What happens when God's people turn their past into actions and seek to feed, rescue, to serve those in needing suffering and justice? God will bring blessings into our lives. First, God's presence, your light will be, your light will appear like the dawn. Scripture frequently equates light with the presence of God. Earlier in Isaiah 9:2, the Messiah to come was described as a great light. Centuries later, Jesus would identify himself in the light of the world. John 8:12. God's healing. Your recovery will come quickly when you come to God. He forgives, restores, and heals us. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be the one to give us this healing, recovery. We are healed by his wounds, Isaiah 25. God's protection. Your righteousness will go before you. And the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. The Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah 33, 16. When we live in Him, He surrounds us and protects us. How much more do we need than to know God is our front and our back? God's care. When you call, the Lord will answer. Answer means more than just hearing. He responds and says, Here I am. Is there anything better than knowing that the God of the universe hears and responds when we cry out to Him? We live in a busy and noisy world. Yet when we take time to listen 
and to care for those who are hurting around us, we can be assured that God will notice and care for us. God's provision. You will be like a water garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. We serve a God who is aware of our needs and will provide. And seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. Where do you see the opportunities to serve as a light in your community? People won't always view stepping in to help suffering justice as a smart choice. Friends and family might problem why you are getting involved is something that's not your problem. Some may think you may you are making a mistake. Others may distance themselves from you and your work for justice. However, the blessings that come from obeying God are worth it. When we involve ourselves in His mission to care for the oppressed, He blesses. These are not the blessings of wealth or healing, like some props or cross or whatever. <laughs> Creatures push. God's blessings are tied to a fulfilled purpose and the joy that comes with intimacy with Christ. Okay, thank you, Sister Nancy. Notice, uh, God will bring into our lives His presence, His healing, His protection, His care, and His provision. Do we need those things? Absolutely. Every day, every moment of the day, uh, we need those things. Okay, uh, our time is roughly gone here, uh, but what is the point? And for what we've looked at today, we see the reason why. We need to stand up for those who are suffering injustices, because if we don't, more than likely nobody else will. All right? So let's uh, follow through this week uh, with at least one of the applications we see on page 103 and how we are to live this out. Notice, how can we practice God's way of serving those who are treated unjustly? One, check your heart. Pray about your attitude toward others facing injustice. Confess any apathy, indifference, or prejudice. And then secondly, check your surroundings. Ask God to reveal injustice right in front of you. Ask for courage and the direction to follow his lead. And then thirdly, check your opportunity. Work with others to help those facing injustice. For example, volunteer with a crisis pregnancy center or ministry focused on the elderly. We are called to do our part. If we have no idea what that may be, just ask God. Don't miss the blessing of serving. So we get three opportunities, three choices there. Check your heart, check your surroundings, or check your opportunity. You can, check, you can take one of them, or you can take all three of them. But we've got our marching orders, right? Let's close in prayer. Time is gone. Father, help us to act on what, we, what you have revealed to us through your word today, through our study today, through the scriptures today. And help us not to be timid, but to be bold and to have courage, depending on you to strengthen and to guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you as you go.